Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Why do we need Patrick, Oscar, Isaac, Transplanting, Steve. How are you? I'm all right. The wife and I went for a walk the other day. The wife and I. Where'd you go? We went. We went up the valley. So, as listeners may know, I live in Salisbury, and during these COVID times, taking advantage of the outdoors. So we went for a little walk up the Upper Avon Valley, um, which is just a couple of miles away from here. It's a beautiful, a beautiful alluvial, lovely hanging valley type green. You've been there before summer. on your bike, Nick. I'm up there all the time. Uh. Anyway, I wanted to go for a walk. We wanted to go for a walk, and we we I knew there were some llamas there. So we went and had a look at the llamas. Oh, you never talked about nanobodies. <laughs> you are, aren't you? Yeah, so there's a little llama farm. So I came across these llamas and um, they were rolling around in the dirt. And it did. It reminded me of something that I'd read recently, which was about, um, yeah, nanobodies. You preempted me, yeah, these, these antibodies and how they're being used about COVID. So you've obviously, you're obviously aware of this, Steve. A little bit. So there's, as far as I know, camelids, which are llamas, alpacas and uh, camels, rather than having kind of standard antibodies, they have single chain antibodies, which are much smaller. Uh, also sharks as well, I think, have antibodies. But I don't think you'd want to go farming sharks to extract their um, blood to purify their antibodies. I don't know. That's basically all I know. Tell, tell me about nanobodies. That pretty much sums it up. I mean, right. people know since night, since about... 1993, some people randomly, and yeah. it was some student, some undergrad student was doing a project and they were trying to find a diagnostic test, you know, like serum tests like they're doing in COVID at the moment. Yeah, They were trying to find, to, to get a test for um, trypanosome infection. So it's that's like for a, farming or something. Aren't trypanosomes, isn't that something you get infected in tropical countries? Is that right? Yeah, they're, they're parasites. I can't remember yeah. what type of animal right. they are. They're nematodes or some kind of schist- right. schistosome or something. Anyway, um, they stumbled across in the blood. There weren't only these big... So when you think of antibodies, you think of... The, well, biologists think of these big Y-shaped molecules. Yeah. And they're quite big. And they've got a heavy chain and a light chain. What is and that? It means that one's heavy and one's light. <laughs> what does that mean? One's bigger than the other. Okay, so one's big and one's small. Not the one's, one's heavy. big and one's yeah. small. Okay, yeah, they may, they may have different densities as well. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, at the very tips, so the top end of the Y, the yeah. tips are like have lots of different random shapes, which enable them to sort of plug in to viruses and bugs. So that's how they recognise things. And each clone of an antibody has a different shape at the top, and that's how they stick to things. So one might stick to, I don't know, um, salmonella, and another one might stick to, I don't know, um, COVID, let's say, right? So, yeah, and the basis of adaptive immunity is if you get infected, uh, one of your cells in your body that makes one of these clones will make loads and loads and loads of them, and then you'll be protected for for life. Right. But they're also dead useful in biology because – they're kind of like you, you can stick them to things and they'll you, you can find where a thing is. Yeah, we, we use them in the lab quite a lot where we will fluorescently label um, an antibody and then you that's known to stick to a certain thing in, in the cell, for instance. And then you just and then you can uh, you can get one thing that's uh, you can use it to kind of target uh, different aspects of the cells with antibodies. We use antibody sending a lot. Yeah. 
And the way that you make them uh, for, for years, like let's say if you've got a protein that you've got in a cell, yeah. right, you think you've got, and you want to find it in the cell, but at the moment you can't, one thing you can do is you can purify that protein. You might not know what it is, but you can purify it based on some chemical properties it has. Yeah. Then you can inject it into like a sheep, yeah. or some people use goats, or uh, some people use donkeys, actually. So and I've it sounds like in 1993, is... some people were using llamas. And basically what happens is that animal will get an immune response. It will start to produce antibodies against the thing you've injected. You can yeah. collect the blood from the animal and then tag something to it, like a glowing spot, like a yeah. diafluorescent compound. Pour it on your cells and you'll find exactly where the thing is in your cells. Yeah. It's very cool. So I've always wondered this. So is there like, is there farms um Sorry, let's say that again. Yeah, there are. Um, so, are there are there farms where you just like like just lined up loads and loads of like you know of donkeys? They're all just sat yeah. there waiting around to be yeah. jabbed with a bit of E. coli or something. There are farms, yeah, and yeah. I think they're pretty. The animals are pretty well. I remember when I was like after I'd done my PhD, I worked in editing, and a friend of mine called Tom. His dream was because he was a bit he didn't know what he wanted to do or where he wanted to go. Yeah. But he had this dream of opening an antibody farm in Cornwall and having loads of sheep and donkeys roaming free over the hillside. But is, and he would collect like their antibodies it's and like make loads of money selling all of the antibodies. No, it's, they're probably inside and they're probably like, you know, it's probably more like kind of, you know, farming, like factory farming, is it not? I would imagine. I don't think so. I think, you think it's like they... you think I'm imagining a nice bucolic scene with llamas and and donkeys happily bounding over kind of the well, English countryside. We, we have done in our group. We have done sheep studies before, so we've done uh, basically experimental studies on sheep, which are yeah. important for bone repair applications. And originally, they were sent back to the fields after you'd done the thing. They're sent back, and then you collect them again. So. So then you try the, and treat them as humanely as you can. No, of course, but the, the, are they ever are the same sheep that are used for antibodies also used for farming, or is that a different farm? Like like for food production, I mean, when I say farming. You could probably keep them separately, maybe in the next field. Uh. Anyway, look, we, I feel like we're digressing, so I want to go back to the llama <laughs> story, right? So Fine. now people know what an antibody is. When people did this with llamas, so when they were injecting things with llamas, they didn't only find these big Y-shaped antibodies they found these small ones and these ones didn't have a light chain so they just had a heavy chain mm. and they've got a load of cool features which make them a bit easier to work with for instance they're smaller they're more stable they're easier to store you can produce them more easily and they get to parts of a protein that other antibodies can't reach so if they're all so good why don't we have them like why question. They, like you know why why do why does the vast majority of people have the why the big y shaped antibodies and not these these new fancy ones so antibodies are used in the clinic and have been for for many years now i think the first trial was in the 1970s 1975 right i think for a blood clotting disease um lots of cancer therapeutics uh, are monoclonals easy if you ever see a drug with mab at the end there may be at the end of the uh, the name and um, that means it's an antibody one right. I've been reading about is Romazosumab, but there's loads and loads of them. Demazosumab, another one. Anyway, yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I don't quite know where they haven't been used. Maybe because they're relatively recently discovered and they may, there may be sort of some... No, technical... so that wasn't my question. Why is it that if, if, they, if they have all of these advantages, why don't we have them? 
why don't we use them in our immune systems? Why is it I so, don't know. Why, why is it just the camelids and sharks? Good question. I didn't mm. get to the bottom of that. Maybe mm. you can maybe you can find out. Oh, I'll go and look into that. that. Yeah. Podcast Steve. I did have a quick look. It did the question did occur to me as well, but I couldn't find an answer yeah. to it. Because you're right, sharks also have them, so they must have probably evolved on one more than one occasion. Yeah. Um anyway, so we're trying to use it. So there's a group now who yeah. are trying to get them to use against COVID. So they're injecting actively in Reading, they are injecting um that piece of the coronavirus spike protein. So regular listeners will Into remember that the, Yeah. Regular listeners will remember that the coronavirus have these little spikes on the surface. They inject that into the llama and they collect the llama blood. And the idea is you can use the antibodies. Some, and basically the way, the, way, the way it will work is that you'll inject those antibodies into people with COVID and the antibodies will kind of mop up, yeah. mop up all of the, um, the COVID particles. Similar to the idea that, you know, we've, we've heard about people using convalescent serum taking yeah. blood from people who've had it it's exactly the same principle yeah 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 no i um so they, they were kind of gunk up all of the covid molecules that are floating around your body so they can't infect other cells so that would be the idea yeah it's like a big sponge then like they fall off though i don't what's know the, maybe the, the, I think they... the, the affinity must be quite i mean they're generally quite high but that shouldn't affect the off rate well, Maybe I don't if, know what the off rate sounds like a technical term that I don't oh, know what it means. Oh, so nor will so I listen to Steve. <laughs> um, so I suppose when when an antibody binds, it has two things, right? One is it, it it's gonna uh, if you imagine changing the concentration of the antibody, what happens at very low concentrations when there's only like one or two antibodies to try and find a covid it doesn't stick very well and at very high concentrations it does it sticks very well and there's a kind of halfway point of that and that's called the the affinity um, and it's, that's quite important because if the concentration of the protein is lower than the affinity of the antibody then it just doesn't stick because it because it because it's not operating so even though it could work brilliantly if the concentrations are low i.e you're not producing a lot of the anti not producing a lot of the antibody or or a lot of the, the virus then presumably it wouldn't work. So and and it also it doesn't stick on forever. It lets go after a time, and that's called the the off rate. Um, right. Okay. Well, but maybe I'd... we should look into this for another. Maybe it's too much for one. But well, that's good. I'll I'll look into this now. I'm going to look into the off rate of uh, of of um, uh, of the nanobodies. Great. We'll come back to it. Right. Well, meanwhile, I'm going to go off and pet a llama because apparently that's very soothing. <laughs>